0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with Alex Bell, Andy Murray, and Anna Chesinski, and once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days, and in no particular order, here we go.
1: Starting with you, Andy Murray. My fact is that in Peru, depictions of the Last Supper show Jesus and his disciples eating a guinea pig. (laughs) That's what they do. That's what is there. Um, This is... There's one particular famous painting by a guy called Marcos Zapata who painted in 1755 uh, a very large painting fresco whatever it is of the last supper and jesus and his disciples are all sitting around a guinea pig which has been char grilled and barbecued is there any chance that they would have eaten a guinea pig back then was that food back then in yeah the, well not in the middle east i didn't think did they come from the middle oh, east sorry
2: in the middle east sorry i thought you meant were they taking it to south america and because they ate guinea pigs in south america
1: which yeah. they did which they did they okay seen. yeah and they okay. still
2: do they're, they're really popular yes right. they're
1: huge yeah uh, they eat 65 million every year wow which is a lot each and they get um, they get roasted and impaled on skewers, and then they're normally brought to your table hole and they cut into five pieces. So they're quartered, and then they remove the head as well. What? Apparently, the cheeks are really nice because they're crispy,
0: and
3: presumably because they keep food in them as well, so they yeah. come pre stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you've
0: just got some
2: extra seeds.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I was reading that more rabbits and chickens are used as guinea pigs. Than guinea pigs are, yeah, for for science research, and uh, obviously uh, mice and rats are the big ones. But Mm. um, guinea pigs just are not ever really used much for uh, for science. However. I then also read, uh, and I read this in, this was in Squire, uh, the QI database, 23 Nobel Prizes in medicine have been won thanks to guinea pigs. Wow. Yeah.
3: So why did we call, why, why did the term being used as a guinea pig, was maybe, there a time when there maybe were Maybe there were a used, few, I mean, if
2: 23 yeah, Nobel there Prizes, yeah. there it's must been, be a time, it's yeah. yeah. It's from the 1800s, um, and it's when the, it was Robert Koch, wasn't it, who was a leading germ scientist in the 1800s, and he did a lot of his experiments on guinea pigs, I think, in the 1880s-ish. Um, And so he coined the term or someone coined the term about him and people just started using it. Um, But yeah, it's very uncommon to use guinea pigs, I think, at a ratio of about one to a thousand in favor of using mice and rats instead. Mm. Um, Guinea pigs are, I think, the only other animals, the only other mammals except for humans that can get scurvy. And that Um. was one thing we used them for, is um, finding out the cause of scurvy. Is transferring our scurvy into the guinea pigs. Mm. No, finding out the cause of scurvy, um, which we did. But yeah, they can get it. So all other animals are able to um, create vitamin C internally, but we can't, guinea pigs can't.
0: We're together in that.
2: And also, guinea pigs, unrelatedly, were the first... Creatures to have a pap smear done on them. What? You know, a, t- a cervical smear. Test. Yeah, I know what the. Oh, right, know what okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, Mr. Pap Pap Papanopoulos, whatever he was called, yeah. Uh, when he went to America, wasn't allowed to experiment on any humans, and so he just took lots of guinea pigs and had to work out their menstrual cycles, which he found quite difficult. I think for quite a. Did long time Did he have time.
0: tiny stirrups for their legs? <laughs> when he <laughs> sat in the chairs. Yeah. Well, and he'd leave them alone in the room to set themselves up, and yeah. then come in, <laughs> put on the gloves.
2: Have <laughs> you ever seen a guinea pig hobbling a little bit? That's what they've just been doing.
1: awkward conversation about, (laughs) oh yeah, plans for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In pre-Spanish South America, in uh, Peru, in a city called uh, Cusco, I think is how it's pronounced, um, a thousand white guinea pigs were sacrificed every year in the square to appease the gods and to stop them, you know, harming the crops and things like that. Yeah. Wow. Um, But there is a a ceremony today where you go house to house and you collect loads of guinea pigs from people. It's called uh, Jaca Tzari, I think. And then you release them in apparently a mock bullfight which I think sounds brilliant. (laughs) In a tiny ring. You put tiny (laughs) horns on them.
2: I mean, is it a bullfight in that people oppose them? Oh
1: yeah. (laughs) Getting flipped over into the crowd.
2: Just (laughs) a matador versus a guinea pig.
1: (laughs) The Pamplona guinea pig run. (laughs) All (laughs) the headlines the next day, three more gored in guinea pig
0: accidents. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just quickly, back to the original fact. Mm. Um, So this picture of the last supper was this the cusco cathedral one it was the cusco cathedral yeah, yeah, okay yeah. because there's a lot more items on that table as well that they seem to have Ooh. identified uh, as part of the last supper uh so to represent the 12 disciples they had 12 dishes on the table so it, that includes prawn soup <laughs> very nice polenta salad corn cake Uh, There was rice milk, cake, yellow bread. It's quite cool. It's quite a variety. It sounds like they cooked in, they didn't order out from somewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm also so
2: sceptical that when people claim to be able to identify very specific
0: types of food... Uh, Oh, it's prawn
1: soup there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of them is handing the menu back to the waiter, (laughs) pointing with his finger at the prawn soup. That's how we know. There's a specials menu in the background if you look very closely.
3: Speaking of items on the table, in Da Vinci's Last Supper, there's lots of stuff, again, strewn over the table. Uh, The first thing is that there is... uh, um, there are oranges there which is a you know a mistake as it were because oranges weren't around in the middle east until centuries uh. after jesus was supposed to have been around and the other thing is that in 2007 an italian computer technician announced that he had discovered a secret song that was hidden in in the da vinci's last supper so all this bread and stuff strewn over the table if you superimpose this onto a stave all, of, all of the different things are musical notes and he says, he says that if you play it it sounds a bit like a requiem
1: <laughs> but crucially not enough like a requiem <laughs> the of the
3: museum said the theory was plausible
1: that's, very, that's a very <laughs> polite very way of saying implausible yeah. <laughs> um, there's another theory by this uh, historian called John Variano who thinks that the, he says there is orange on the table but he thinks that they're eating eel in mm. Da Vinci's yeah. Last Supper Because apparently that was a popular meal In the 15th century in Italy When Da Vinci was painting So yeah, eel and orange slices um, There was this thing that he was So
0: he was obviously commissioned to do this uh, Da Vinci, this, mm. this portrait And it was done in uh, what was effectively A monk's canteen, which I didn't know uh, But it wasn't a canteen when it was painted It got, it, it, was, it, okay. was, it was it was, it was, it was It just looked so delicious on yeah. the wall <laughs> <laughs>
1: And they said, you know what would be great in this room <laughs>
2: Um, it's very uh, dilapidated and basically rubbish, mm. isn't it? And in mm. fact, I think <laughs>
1: basically rubbish.
2: <laughs> but basically, I could do better. Um, yeah. I think if you asked who painted Da Vinci's um, Last Supper. The answer would not be da Vinci. I don't think there's a single bit of paint left now on it that is da Vinci's paint because it was so badly done because it was essentially a failure. He had never really painted murals before, didn't know the right equipment to use or the right um, substances. And so they eroded really quickly within his lifetime and it kept on having to be uh, redone and touched up and it didn't work very well. And for centuries it was kind of neglected because it was just like broken bits of stone. And also the Jesus in the middle... He used to have feet didn't he Yes and really? then they just plowed a door through the middle of that bit yeah. of the painting and Whoa. so the feet are gone and that's why there's that weird arch in the middle of the painting that looks a bit out of place and you can't see Jesus's legs Um did you know that Van Gogh painted a version of the Last Supper
0: No didn't
2: Ah uh, yeah he did it was uh you know his cafe terrace most famous Van Gogh painting, probably. One yeah. of the very most famous. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, cafe yeah. terrace, lots of people sitting out. Um, anyway, there was this academic paper written about how Van Gogh had written a letter to his brother while he was painting that, saying, I really need some religion in my life. And then he's drawn this picture with 12 diners, with a guy walking away, as in the Judas character, who's often shown to be walking away in the mm-hmm. Last Supper depictions. Um, with there's, If you look at the window in the back, it's got a crossed window pane, which isn't just a cross window pane, it's a crucifix that's hanging between... Behind Ooh, everyone in the picture. Wow. That's the latest theories. Um, there are
3: some other versions of the, there are so many versions of like uh, the Last Supper in pa- in painting. And yeah, my favourite is uh, Juan de Juanes, which was the uh, Spanish painter who painted his version. And it's really easy to disi- to, um, to identify which disciple is is each person because inside mm. the halos, he's written their name suspended in the oh, same colour. Because <laughs> <cool. As
1: laughs> if you all go in somewhere, you all hang up your halos at the door. And then yeah. if you leave, you don't want to get someone else's, which <laughs> is the wrong size. Well, it's you like look like it, an idiot but for it, the rest of the it day. Looks like
3: like when when you look at the tags on a facebook photo and everyone's names come up well, there's exactly what it is. <laughs>
0: that's so <Brilliant>. funny <laughs> he was tagging he was that's tagging them. he's literally tagging it's the best thing ever <laughs>
3: he's literally just written them in it's hilarious
0: <laughs> okay time for fact number two and that is alex
3: okay my fact is that there is a skyscraper in new york with a 400 ton weight in the top which moves around to stop the building from falling over
1: that's so cool okay
3: so, so this is actually one of loads of buildings this was just the first one to have this technology in the US it's the Citigroup center I mean everyone has probably heard about how tall buildings often are built on flexible foundations they've got um, they're basically sitting on big springs so um, it insulates <laughs> them from earthquakes and it makes them sway slightly but another problem with really tall buildings is not just earthquakes it's that the wind might blow them over because they're so big so there's this technology called tuned mass damping which is basically a really heavy weight usually several hundred tons heavy that's installed in the top floors of the skyscraper and uh, the weight is attached to pneumatic supports or cables or something and the building has a computer system which works out which direction the wind is coming from and it shifts a weight into that direction so that the building leans into the wind slightly and it can reduce the amount that the building is swayed by the wind by about 50% or sometimes more. Wow.
1: I'm never going into any building which has this technology. (laughs) 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 But
3: this is the thing, when you start looking into how these buildings stay up and technology we use, you don't want to go in any of these skyscrapers because they just don't seem, you just, you wonder how any building stays up even a couple of stories high because it's just so sort of Mm.
1: scary have you seen how they demolish skyscrapers in Japan no No. it's so cool they start with the ground floor and they work their way up sorry Yes. They've also marked the levitation, just, it, Yeah, does it just <laughs> drop down one floor and then they get to the... What do you mean? Genuinely, they do this. So what they do is they take the ground floor and they replace all the building supports with hydraulic jacks, right? So really, really enormous you know, steel pillars to the height of the first floor. Um, and they put those in place of the proper supports. And then they remove all the internal walls and supports. And then very slowly and carefully, they lower the hydraulic jacks over a period of a couple of hours. And then, boom you have now a building which is one storey shorter, and then you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, and it's a way of very slowly- That's so cool. that's, Isn't it amazing?
3: That's a bit like how cranes, big cranes, um, put themselves together and dismantle themselves. So you build the top bit, and then you, it, you know, it's, they're all built in segments, like, a bit like Lego, and yeah. um, it slides in the bottom segment, and shifts itself up and oh, slides wow. in, and, and obviously you're using the actual, you know, the cables in the crane to move this
0: stuff around, so it's literally building itself. I've it, been asking that question for years without ever thinking to google it i've always wanted to know how a crane gets there yeah it's amazing that's awesome yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm um, oh, sorry, gone.
3: I was going to say, t- uh, talking of cranes, I was I was looking at the difference between building in different places. Um, one of which is these uh, this law called protected view laws, and it's basically mm. the idea that, that there are lots of views from one place to another in London which you can't obstruct. Do you know the cheese grater skyscraper? It's basically yeah. it looks like a giant cheese grater because it just it just looks ha- like it has a whole huge slice chopped mm. off it. The reason it's that shape is because there's a pub on uh, Fleet Street from which you can see St Paul's Cathedral, and th- when they tried to build the building, they were told they weren't allowed to impose on the views. No. So they've had this huge skyscraper now sort of leans one way. Wow. No. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. There are 13 of the main protected view laws from one park to another landmark which you can't put anything in front of.
0: Anna and I went to Greenwich very recently to um, the museums there and we saw Greenwich Mean Time, the Meridian line the cool. l- and the laser. There's this big oh, yeah. green laser that shoots out and so at night that's what you see. It's right. the It shows you time. It's the line of time and basically... Um, What happened was a new building structure had gone up across the river and the laser went directly into one of the rooms of this apartment block and they complained and so they've had to change the line of time. It's just pointing a bit higher now because... That's so funny. Well, yeah. the residents were yeah. getting <laughs>
2: slightly nervous. It was going into
3: someone's bedroom, right? And just hitting his bedroom. So he was trying to sleep with this enormous this laser coming through his bedroom. A huge laser of time. Oh, oh, time. A laser yeah. made of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and related to that, 20 Fen- Fenchurch Street, which is the huge bulbous skyscraper the walkie-talkie in London, yes, it yeah. hit, hit the headlines in 2013 because it was... It has a big curve front and it was focusing all the sun's rays and melting um, mm. a bit of the paper and some cars on it yeah. I realised the architect he's called Rafael Vinoli he's done it before he designed a massive hotel called the Hotel uh, Vidara in Las Vegas which also has a massive curved front and would heat up the swimming pool and melt people's plastic cups so <laughs> knowing that he'd done that several years before they a hired him at all and then b he came up with this design for a new massive curve building they're like yeah that's
0: probably gonna be fine Not I read that that's called problem. the Vidara death ray yeah yeah, yeah. ridiculous <laughs> so yeah he keeps
3: designing buildings that end up being called the death something yeah.
1: The death ray, is it? No. Okay, that's cool. Um, Just speaking of things being on one side or another of a line. Yes. Um, this is kind of not relevant to the fact, but I found out recently <laughs> and I like it so much. There's a hotel in Europe, which is half in France and half in Switzerland. <laughs> 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 Genuinely. Uh, it's called the Hotel Abes. And uh, it was the, France and Switzerland were trying to swap a bit of land because the French wanted a particular bit. So they had to concede a bit. And they just conceded a bit of land in 1862. And yeah, the border shifted, but the building stayed where it was. So the international border goes across the dining room and supposedly across the bed in the honeymoon suite Ooh. Yeah. so you well,
3: it's oh, like wow. a passport guard so right in the middle a, you of you can have yeah. a
1: honeymoon in two different countries <laughs> yeah no, <that's laughs> which really cool. countries? France and Switzerland France and Switzerland I love the idea of a B- border control yeah, yeah.
3: Well, presumably there's a massive fence going through the sweet as well one. you
0: know how like, you name your child sometimes after where they were conceived <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so I was reading uh, those kind of classic things that you hear about skyscrapers and one of the things is if you throw a penny off the Empire State Building it'll drill through your head is the, is the myth yeah. uh, and it is a myth um, and so it won't actually do any harm to you it will kind of float down like a leaf is what they say and a guy, a guy actually <laughs> actually didn 't expect well, not obviously, he basically said, if it hit you, it yeah. would feel like a flick on your head right. um, because yeah. it 's a flat surface, it kind of catches the air, and like oh. a leaf, it kind of just yeah, yeah. oscillates in that way, um, and He did tests in in wind tunnels where he was having coins pelted at <laughs> his head, and he said, "Oh, a few hit, but it felt fine but so this is interesting. I think most people do know now that a penny falling off will do nothing to you, yeah, however, if you throw a pen off." the Empire State Building, that can definitely kill you. Because really? that ends heavier, so Yeah, it stays and it shoots down. down like an arrow. Yeah, streamlined. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, so if it went into the ground, it would absolutely just chip the sidewalk. Um, that's how much force it comes down. down. Wow. Yeah, 200 miles per hour is what it would travel
1: down as, like an arrow. Um, did you know that fish live in skyscrapers, in a way? <laughs> is this uh, the one that's been
2: accidentally overwhelmed by fish? Or,
1: oh, they live in towers, basically, beneath oil rigs. So, you oh. get floating oil rigs, and marine biologists have studied the effect it has on sea life, and they live in a huge column stretching all the way from the oil rig right to the bottom of the sea floor. That life is so much more abundant, but only in this one column. Wow. wow.
0: Isn't that cool? Yes. That's, that's cool.
1: really cool. Because I suppose you get lots of things falling down from above, mm-hmm. so lots of bottom feeders and things we use sediment from animals which have been living closer above there, and then at the top there must be more things growing <laughs> there, which are for fish to eat, at the, which live near the surface yeah. so it has a whole effect all the way down, I love it I wonder which, in would it be the opposite, that in a normal skyscraper
0: mm. you want to be on the top floor because of the view, in their <laughs> one, do you want to be closer to the bottom, is there a better view down there? Mm,
1: there's not much light, I suppose, and there's loads of pressure depending on how deep it gets, yeah. so, so the, there's no view at all, basically
2: <laughs> Where was it? Where was yeah. it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Because there's no light. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Not sought after real estate. Yeah. If you've already invested, you've oh, made Dan, mistake. what have
1: you bought? <laughs> what did the estate agent oh say? <laughs> My <laughs> fish I'm are going to hate me.
2: <laughs> Speaking of fish and buildings, um, the National Fisheries Development Board, uh, which is a branch of government in Hyderabad, in Hyderabad in India, is shaped like a huge fish. And I think that for all government departments, we should have the buildings shaped like what they are. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh,
0: right. So, Um, like,
2: the Department of Defense would be a machine gun or something? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do we use machine guns in war? Uh, Probably not. But
3: Department of Housing would just be a really small, (laughs) shitty house. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, This is a country where lots and lots of the government buildings are like this, and I think it's it's one of the stands, and I think it might be Turkmenistan. Mm. Um, But that's also a very awful dictatorship in lots of ways still yeah.
2: don't think it is still is it um, it used to be what's his face um, crazy guy who named his Sa- bread after his wife and stuff
1: Sapamurat Niyazov I think was his name yeah yep. you're so right and um, the uh, the building that's shaped it is in Turkmenistan the building that's shaped like a book is called the House of Free Creativity in Ashgabat and um, it was opened in 2006 under the previous ruler of Sapamurat Niyazov and uh, all the journalists who worked in it worked with a state run media <laughs> There are no foreign media allowed, or there weren't at the time, and there was also almost no free internet access for the population. <laughs> oh so God. that was the house of free creativity.
2: <laughs> that is one of the most Orwellian yeah. <laughs> real life. I've ever Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Okay, time for fact number three, and that is Chasinski.
2: My fact is that one of Canada's leading crime writers lost the ability to read without losing the ability to write. Um, so, it's this guy called Howard Engel. Um, he's a really famous crime writer in Canada. He's created this detective called Benny Cooperman, who is the private eye with the hard head and the tender heart. And um, he was one of the founders of Crime Writers of Canada. He's been the first person to be awarded the Grand Master Award for Crime Writing wow. by the Crime Writers of Canada. And he, in July 2001, he woke up. Uh, felt fine, went down, made himself some breakfast, went to pick up the newspaper off his doorstep, looked at the newspaper and it looked like it was written in complete gibberish. So he couldn't read any of it. He said he, it looked like it was written in Cyrillic one moment and Korean the next. Uh, he said he was remained totally calm, thought I've probably had a stroke, went and woke his son up, said I can't read anymore, can you take me to hospital? Um, he went to hospital, had lots of tests, they confirmed he had a stroke, but it turned out he realised after a while of nurses looking into what had happened that he could still write absolutely perfect. So, uh, what? Isn't this mental? So he's quite an amazing case. He's worked incredibly hard, and Oliver Sacks has written an amazing piece on him. He's worked really hard to teach himself to read again. So basically, he's lost the visual ability to read... Um, but he ha- so he's turned it into a sensory ability instead so when he's trying to read he'll shape out the shape of letters either with his hand in the air or actually he reads with his tongue so he makes the shapes of letters on the top wow. of his mouth as he's reading them because he recognizes the shapes like the touch oh, of them oh wow because he can't recognize it like with his eyes like the visual cortex part has died yeah um, and so he said that he bit his tongue recently and he said that rendered him illiterate for weeks and weeks oh, wow. but um, he's taught himself to read again very slowly but he does go now back over his his books and properly try and edit them as much as he can. he can
3: he's now he's doing it fast enough that he can he can almost keep up with subtitles on a foreign film like that's how fast he can write with his tongue on top half. of his mouth he can read, he can read half, half the them. subtitles yeah.
2: <laughs> well, he
0: said almost i can almost said, yeah. follow the film <laughs> i read that yeah <laughs> um just quickly oliver sacks so oliver sacks wrote about him in his book the mind's eye he also wrote an afterwards to engel's book which was called the man who forgot how to read so oliver sacks um who's very sadly uh, very ill at the moment you know him as the man who wrote all those great books like awakenings and the man who f- mistook his wife for a hat all these people with these amazing psychological uh i guess a disability yeah he has one himself and i had no idea
2: i think that's why he started is that how he started
0: it? he's got face blindness oh, yeah yeah he can't remember faces yeah. including his own and he says that he will often be looking into a mirror apologizing to this man who's on the in front of him going oh, I'm sorry uh, who are you and he realize, oh no that's a mirror that's my own face he just doesn't recognize his own face
2: wait but surely he recognizes a mirror
0: yeah, that's he should what, have, that's
3: what I. He think. Should have, if, if he's got like <laughs> wall-length mirrors, <so> he <laughs> thinks there's something. There, he should get smaller <laughs> mirrors.
2: Don't live in a house of mirrors <laughs> if you can't recognize your own face. Yeah,
0: maybe he's maybe he's um, exaggerating his condition. That's almost proverb. You know, um, just one more thing on Oliver Sacks, quickly before we go mm-hmm. away from him. Um, his mother uh, was a surgeon, and she studied under Marie Curie.
1: Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow.
0: That's quite cool. Um,
3: right. Has some other weird stroke effects. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malcolm Myatt, who's a retired lorry driver, he had a stroke. He lost the ability to feel sad. He said, I'm never depressed. Being sad wouldn't help anything anyway. I would definitely rather be happy all the time than the other way around. It's an advantage, really. But, I mean, he would say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Exactly>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it's the, only, it's the only time when you go to the doctor and they'd be like, how are you feeling? you be like, oh, can't complain. And that's actually like... I literally can't complain. No, and you don't understand. Um, there was a Swiss woman in Geneva who had a stroke and it gave her a phantom third arm, which her body completely thought was real so if she was asked to move it her brain would look like it was moving it if she was asked to scratch herself if she had an itch her body would think it had been scratched so that's actually quite useful if you, you, know, if you have an itch and you're doing something with your hands yes. you have a third arm that you can scratch or you can give people the finger and they won't know
2: on Un- amazing brain stuff You know, you can have like acquired savant. So, you know, there are all these savants in the world who uh, uh, like have an extraordinary ability to uh, retain knowledge or some extraordinary mental ability that goes beyond what the brain can normally achieve. And there are actually only 330 of them in the world that we know of. 30 of them acquired their abilities after a head injury. So you can have a head injury and it's thought that in these cases it unleashes a bit of the brain that a lot of us don't have access to. And that's what causes people, um, for instance, there's this guy called Derek Amato who hit his head on the bottom of a pool and now he's a master pianist um wow. there's another guy called orlando serrell who was hit with a baseball when he was 10 and he's been able to remember the weather for every single day following that accident um, what? so it just it knocks a bit of the brain that like allows these pathways to connect which couldn't before
1: but is, th- is there any concomitant damage that means he can't remember other things or does it not seem to have a
2: i think there might often be yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh
0: there's a this is an interesting thing there's a British journalist called A.A. A. Gill, if you don't know him. He's massive in Britain. Um, he is completely dyslexic to the point where he can't actually write. He has to dictate every single bit of journalism he's written to someone. And I, I'd never heard that before. Yeah. He's, he-
1: it's very pleasing to think that A.A. A. Gill and Barbara Cutland have something in common. Yeah. <laughs> um, she did uh, sort of one-sentence paragraphs, really. That was, you know, Barbara Cartland style. Was it? Yeah.
2: But yeah. I mean, Proust did that as well.
1: Again, I think there's a web of talent <laughs> here. And I'm not... Yeah, I don't want to criticise Barbara Cartland. I'm Should
2: not. we set them all up? Barbara Cartland, A.A. Gill, and Marcel Proust?
0: <laughs>
1: I'd set the, what do you say, set I them all up? I smell a
3: sitcom.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, time for the final fact of the show. And that is my fact. My fact this week is that Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of... Apple and the inventor of the personal computer met his wife on a dialer joke call. Now, dialer joke calls used to be massively popular. They were effectively you called up a phone line and the phone just told you a joke. So it would just it would just have a recording. It's of, amazing. Yeah, and then it got a bit more advanced. So it, initially it was just a bunch of jokes that were spoken into a tape recorder and the tape recorder was the answering machine. So the answering machine was just playing over and over. So it would tell you a knock-knock joke and then it would tell you three men walk into a bar joke. And then it got to the point where someone physically picked up the phone and started telling you jokes and that's so Steve Wozniak before he got into working in uh, creating personal computers so he, yeah he's one of the Apple founders he is the yeah. co-founder of Apple with okay. Steve Jobs he's he's the other he's the other guy and actually he's the guy who created the personal computer Steve right. Jobs was the genius who marketed it and helped uh, get it out there but was as he's known is the guy who actually
1: invented it so he's a, he's a big name yeah. in our in our uh, modern time um so speaking of people talking robotically on the phone things like this uh, recently uh, there was a guy at the New York City Health Department and he was suspended for 20 days for answering the phone in a robotic voice (laughs) (laughs) and he, d- he, was, he was, he'd sued them over it or they sued him possibly but he basically during the trial he told the judge he wasn't a people person and he was doing it to avoid banter <laughs> with people because people talk very differently to a robotic service if you can give options and answers you just do it quite quickly and you get through it so yeah that's the reason he did it it was interesting wow.
3: the, the people who voice Siri so there's a guy in the UK who voices the male, the male voice and a woman called Susan Bennett in the US um, and they were specifically chosen to, get, to read out and record all the words Siri because they have very monotonous voices yeah. so they might have trouble anytime they ring someone up they just get hung up because they assume they're PPI one <laughs> of those
1: guys is called John Briggs and um, his voice is everywhere he's been a voice artist for yeah. 30 years so his voice is really everywhere by now so once a friend of his uh, was walking past his daughter's bedroom and heard John Briggs' voice coming from inside. It turned out the tribe was playing a game with animated penguins who all had the voice of yeah, <laughs> their friend, yeah, yeah. John Briggs. At one point, Briggs himself got a phone call from himself trying to sell payment protection insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Um,
2: so on Steve Wozniak, so he sounds like the most annoying college student. Um, he built this little circuit. I don't even know how the technology would work at all. But he built a circuit that would jam TV signals. And then when they were in college and all watching TV with friends then he would like trigger the circuit that he built in his pocket so that the TV signal would jam and then someone would go up to try and fix it and as they fiddled about with the aerial then he'd stop it from jamming so the TV would be okay then the person would go back and sit down he'd put the circuit on again so they'd go and fix it and eventually it got to the stage where whenever him and his friends got together and were watching TV they'd have to have one person all the time holding the aerial because <laughs> he'd convinced <laughs> his friends that that was what was that required that, that, Yeah. how annoying is that? that was
0: annoying. I, I saw Steve Wozniak talk in Edinburgh a few years ago and I thought I'm listening to one of the greatest happiest most enthusiastic he was a prankster he did a lot of pranks and there was I don't there's nothing sinister about what he was doing that he's obsessed (laughs) with pranking
3: didn't he wasn't he one of the people who developed one of the first universal remotes or was that someone else yeah that is him that sounds like he was kind of basing it off yeah yeah
0: he, I mean, that's, he, he absolutely loved pranking. And that's kind of the thing that when Steve Jobs and him were introduced to each other, that was one of the sentences that said, you guys will love each other because you're pranksters. Because um, they did
2: freaking, didn't they? They, they did do freaking, freaking yes. Which is basically pranking.
0: Yeah. So just with the dialer joke thing, he was the first person to set that up in the San Francisco Bay Area so he ran dial-a-joke in the place um, and then he eventually went to the phone calls when his wife called him um, or his future wife rather uh, his opening <laughs> words were I bet I can hang up faster than you and hung up on her straight away that was <laughs> her phone call she called back immediately yeah. and then
1: they started talking hard to get
0: playing yeah, hard to get exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hard to get straight away it um,
1: was like
3: the opposite of you hang up you hang up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> me hang up no me hello hello <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: so was the Apple computer just a massive prank then? The uh. battery life certainly <laughs> is <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
2: speaking of Apple computer, have you heard about the San Francisco Recycling Center that's had to put a big call out asking for the owner of an Apple computer because this elderly woman, um, so I think 70-something-year-old woman, um, her husband had recently died and she got a bunch of stuff out of his attic and she handed it into the recycling center to sell on. And it turned out that one of the things that she handed in was an Apple One computer, which is made by Steve Wozniak himself. Wow. Uh, there are about 200 made. I think there are about 60 left in the world. Um, it's worth 200 hundred thousand dollars for which they've sold it and now they owe this woman as part of the you give things into the recycling center agreement, they owe this woman a hundred thousand dollars and they don't know where she is. So Facebook and Google and loads of different like internet companies have put out she's given
1: away a computer Maybe have you put a sign up somewhere? <laughs> Such, Such a dick. They don't want to give her the money. <laughs> yeah. well, we've, we've tried, tried we've, emailing her. Yeah, we've written to her MySpace page.
3: <laughs> but one of the reasons all the Apple One computers are so scarce is because when Apple II came out, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak gave all the Apple One owners incentives to give them back. You know, they would give them money off the Apple II oh, because really? Steve Wozniak was the customer support. And they, when anything went wrong, they wanted it back to find out what was going on wrong. Oh, so they, And then they destroyed wow. them afterwards. So...
1: Um just on robots. Yeah. Just going back to robots very briefly. Um did you know that Samsung has a robot shaped like a bottom? <laughs> <What>? oh, <laughs> oh, and sits, I have seen it. It yes. repeatedly sits on phones to test them. Oh. It's the it's that's <laughs> it's so and it's got a pair of jeans on. It's designed to, it's designed to test what happens when someone sits on their phone, you can see videos of it working. And it's just sort of <laughs>
3: it'll be cheaper to hire someone to do that rather than spend millions
0: developing an artificial art. Well, phone, oh this God. is
1: progress. It's so funny. No, I haven't seen that. That's
0: amazing. <laughs> what I've seen is um what I thought you were talking about was someone has you know how like uh in video games if you're playing a, a car racing game you can now obviously buy the wheel you could have years ago or you buy a gun to shoot at the screen mm. right. there's a there's one which is for trainee doctors which is for giving rectal exams <laughs> and it's just a pair of butt cheeks that you're meant to put your hand inside to <laughs> simulate <laughs> and on the screen you can see the patient's room and the patient's reaction and, that's yeah. really cool <laughs> you don't want that showing up on your like
3: Amazon history <laughs> do you? <laughs> it's for work I swear oh, that's so yeah funny. I wonder
2: if you have to show your medical ID before they actually sell it to you yeah just to prove yeah
0: <laughs> Um, I was looking into how uh, certain people met. What I wanted to look into was the kind of tech giants and see how... Because that's Steve Wozniak. That's how he met his wife. I I suddenly thought Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. So Steve Jobs met his wife when she came to a talk that he was doing and at the talk she was trying to get in but it was completely packed up so she started sitting in the aisles and then she got told she couldn't see there she saw that there was a row of empty seats in the front row so she thought let's just go sit there and they were obviously reserved so she um she went she sat down in these seats and then in comes Steve Jobs to sit in the seat to get ready to go up on stage so she sat right next to him and she said that she'd won a competition to go out on a date with him (laughs) and he said oh really and um and they kind of just got chatting a bit more and at the end of the evening he was off to go to a dinner and he thought Do you know what i'd rather go to dinner with her so he went back and found her and said uh how about that competition date and that's how they met and they, they ended up going out yeah um
2: did she ever come clean as to the whole look the competition <laughs> thing was a ruse by the way steve he
0: immediately divorced her and I was like, yeah, this yeah. whole thing was... <laughs> um with bill gates this is how it happened bill gates um was working with his uh with with this lady called melinda who became his wife. And um, he basically, she was at Microsoft, he eventually built the courage up to ask her out. Uh, So he went up and he said, "'Could we go out two weeks from this coming Saturday?' (laughs) Not the most romantic of... And she said, what? (laughs) So so she said, um, like, just, you know, why don't you ask me closer to the day so it seems a bit more spontaneous. Um, (laughs) But then that night, late that night, he called her and said, how about late tonight? And she went, ah, no, that's... Uh, no,
1: that's too soon. <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: just sort of say three days from now. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, but then she did go out on the date and they got together. Aww. Yeah, it's very nice.
2: Hence Bill and Melinda Gates.
0: Exactly. There yeah. you go. Um, we should wrap up very soon because we've been going yes. on way too long. Does anyone have anything before we wrap up? No. I've got one last thing, just very quickly. Um, Steve Wozniak is part of a uh, sports team. And he's part of the Silicon Valley Aftershocks. Can you guys guess what that team is? What sport he's playing? So it's, it sounds like an earthquake. It does sound like an earthquake, Same. but it has no bearing on what the actual sport uh, Quidditch, is. Quidditch, then. <laughs> no, that would <laughs> be
2: Apple, cool. bobbing for apples. Oh, that would oh, be very, very nice. cool. But
0: no, it's a Segway polo team. So they play
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, polo he's Segway mad, segway,
1: isn't he? So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so Silicon Valley. Yeah. I thought by
2: my Segway Polo team. You just meant you had to subtly slip the conversation <laughs> get into conversation that you wanted to play polo.
0: <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this podcast, we can all be found on Twitter. I'm on at Schreiberland. Alex. At Alex Bell underscore. Andy. At Andrew Hunter M. Anna.
2: You can email podcast at QI.com.
0: Yep. And you can also get us on at QI Podcast or you can go to no such thing as fish.com where you can find all of our previous episodes. There's also a link to all of the live shows that we're doing. So go check them out, see if you want to come to any. And we'll be back again next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Goodbye.